for it. Not for anybody else. Yeah. But for yourself. For yourself. For yourself. For yourself. Uh, I was trying to get it. Uh, brother used to push the hundred civics. Yeah. What's facts if you never lived it? Uh, no cap, I've been really winning. Yeah. No cap, I've been really winning. Uh, drop the pride and I drop the ceiling. Uh, new era, this a new beginning. Uh, work hard, gotta trust the vision. Hi, welcome to your next season podcast. I'm especially happy to have you on. Hey, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, by the time this goes out, I'll be a whopping 25. You know what's better than 24? <laughs> 25. Is it that one? I couldn't remember if it was like <laughs> I don't even know if it's that one. Um, I don't remember if it's 24 or 25. I don't know, but. But hey, you know what? I'm. I think the 25 will be a fun time. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hey, everybody. My name is Jamil Ethand. I am the husband uh, of Caitlin. Yeah, that's yes. all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yes, he has made it on. My lovely husband making it to the podcast. Husband, with a T. <laughs> The one and only. All right, let's get started, get into it here. Why don't you start telling us about your self-development or your self-growth journey? Yeah, I could definitely hop in on that. Um, I think for myself, it it really started pretty early um, in life. Uh, When I was in high school, it was really like that period, my junior year going into senior year of, of high school was really that time period where I feel like I really started taking at least my my professional and my personal growth into my own hands. Um, like a lot of people didn't don't know this, but I was not always a confident person. Um, I was not always someone who was comfortable speaking in front of people. Um, I had a lot of a lot of insecurities, um, especially in high school. And I think that summer of my junior year, I had run I had the year pro, the season prior, I had run track and I had, done, had been successful there. Uh, I came off of a year where I didn't get a varsity letter. And back in high school, that was a huge deal. Mm. Um, but I didn't the get a varsity deal. letter, even though I even though I played varsity. Um, and that really motivated me to really start thinking about um, my own self a little bit deeper. Uh, so one of the things I really got into was self growth um in self-help and self-talk so I think I was 17 and I was listening to motivational speakers and I was listening to people talk about mindset and how um you limit yourself immediately when you uh when you don't look at the world for what it is which is opportunity and from there it was just taking every single day and trying to maximize um, the value. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any of that stuff to distract me from my goal. So I trained for football. And I found that the day to day running hills and working out in the morning, making sure I got some footwork drills in in the afternoon and running hills at night instead of going to parties and all mm. of that stuff that I did in high school really added up to me being able to have the senior year I did um, and being able to be ready when the when the time was called. Uh, I remember going into that senior year, I knew I wasn't going to get handed anything and a lot of opportunities didn't get given to me. Um, but when people got hurt and things started happening, I, I was able to step in and then take the starting role, which was huge for me because the year prior, I didn't even get a varsity letter. 
And then I think from that point on, I really started to see how important it was to hold yourself accountable and, and to be disciplined in the things you went after. Uh, I was able to be successful in track that for my senior year, I was able to become the only male captain of my track team, which was awesome. And that only mm. propelled me to go to college and think of the same thing. Um, be able to take opportunities when they were available and always be ready for those opportunities when they came. Uh, and I think that that piece for myself was at very early age, really looking at how you can control your destiny. I think that started for me at 17 um, and I'm 27 now. So just keeping that mindset always. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, now it's like 10 years later and it's built on like the foundation that you built when you were young and I remember like when we first were together and you were always still listening in college when we met like to motivational speakers and like had that blasting and at first I was like oh like I don't really know anybody else who'd be doing this but then like I was like I was getting hyped myself like I was like oh what do I need to do in my life like especially that one that talks about all the time you spend on your phone that you could be doing incredible things that one always sticks you know with me and it's mm -hmm. like that's so true like you could do this this and this if you just get off your phone you could accomplish that if you just get off your phone and you know that's something like I've experienced like recently too like okay I need to get off my phone so I can get my life like going in a better trajectory uh, trajectory but I think like something else you mentioned that's really important is just like the dedication that you had doing all those extra practices and like not giving up when you weren't sure if you were going to kind of get to exactly where you wanted to go yeah when I, I you're the thing you referenced was Eric Thomas he he has that he has that saying he was like some of you need to give up your cell phones because your cell phone doesn't give you anything but a bill um, mm. And you spend more time on your cell phone than you do on your success. And if you just took that same time you spent on your cell phone and put it towards your success, you'd have success in life. Um, and he, he was one of the big motivators um, in 2011. He had, he had a, a viral video that went, that was out and it was, it was about success. Um, and he tells the story about, uh, he's like, the, there was this guru and the guru told this guy, this guy asked if he could be successful and he, he, he was like, yeah, I want to be successful real bad. So the guru said, come meet me at tomorrow at the beach at 5 a.m. So the guy was like, all right, I'll meet you at the beach at 5 a.m. The guy shows up, he's wearing a suit. And Eric Thomas says he should have wore shorts um, because the guru says, you want to be successful? He goes, how bad do you want to be successful? The guy says, real bad. He goes, come out into the water with me. So the guy comes out to the water and is, he's like waist deep. And the guru, the guru says, come out further. And the guy is like, this guy's mm. crazy. I'm wearing a suit coming out mm. to the water. And he gets, he gets like shoulder. It's like the water, that shoulder level. And he goes, come out. He goes, how bad do you want to be successful? He goes real bad. So he takes the guy, pushes his head into the water and he's holding them down in the water. And the guy's kicking and scratching and the guru's holding them down. And just before the guy was going to suffocate, he lifted him up and he goes, when you want to succeed as badly as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful when you want to succeed as badly as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. And the guy um, took that message. And that for me at a young age resonated, right? Like when you actually want to have that success that badly and you'll sacrifice anything else, he talks about how you don't, you don't think about partying when you want to breathe, right? Like when you're suffocating, the last thing you're thinking about is going to the bar at night. The last thing you think about is, is having, sitting on the video game. You, you want, we want to breathe. 
And he goes, when you want success as badly as you want to breathe, then you'll have success when it starts to matter to you. And I think for me, that's always been something that, that stuck with me. And another message from that, that, same, that same speech he gave uh, was to be able at any moment to sacrifice what you are for who you will become. Um, and, I, and I firmly believe it, being able to give up things at any moment, being able to stop and say, you know, I'm gonna evaluate, reevaluate myself and I'm going to be someone different tomorrow because I realize and recognize that the person I was yesterday isn't the person I have to continue to be in the future. Mm. Yes, it's all so good. Honestly, I think the last quote you should you just said, we should just have that on a plaque in our house somewhere. <laughs> because it's so true. And it's just so powerful that, you know, people will continue doing the same thing and expect something different to happen. And you have to change and like you said, reevaluate what you're doing to be able to make something happen to be more successful. Um, how do you think all of this in your journey has really shaped who you are today? I think it's given me perspective on, on my one decisions and two, my everyday um, as I walk through the world. I think because I, because I keep the mindset of being able to, to control the narrative of my own life, um, being able to look at negatives as, as pieces of the puzzle versus um, pitfalls. Like some people get put down by things that don't happen or don't go their way. I just look at it as part of the process. Um, mm. and, and I think being able to, to never be so sad um, that you're defeated, I think that goes a long way. And I think for me throughout life, I've like, I faced a lot of adversity growing up having glaucoma and uveitis. I had 10 eye surgeries before I was in high school. Uh, I, I remember so I remember being uh, being a freshman and they had a, it was a picture day and the picture day happened a week after I had eye surgery right mm. before the season started. Uh, so I came to the picture day and my eyes were bloodshot. I had a patch because after you have eye surgery, you have to wear a patch. So I had a patch on my eye and I had to take the patch off for the picture because I didn't want the patch on there but my eye was bloodshot and it was really small. And I have really small eyes in general, but it comes from eye surgeries, which a lot of people didn't like know about me growing up. So they just mm -hmm. like made jokes about it. But I was like, yo, this is legit because I've had so many eye surgeries and your eye gets weaker and all that stuff. So it was something I had to deal with at a young age, just realizing that I was gonna be different than everyone. I remember having um, large textbooks um, and by large textbooks, I mean like a regular textbook that's one book, I would have seven volumes that are all like 11 by eight. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just like you go to you're in high school, you're in you're in high school, you're in middle school growing up like that. You get people to point at you a lot and people that joke about things. And I was lucky that I had a lot of friends that were able to to stick up for me and, and help build me up throughout the throughout my process of growing. But I, that stuff sticks with me. It sticks with me as that's part of your resiliency is you being able to still get A's and go to school and, and still be able to play football and be a starter on the varsity team and be able to have a great season and then go to college and play college football um, and then be able to be able to start a club team when you transfer and still still make connections and not let uh, the uveitis defeat me, not let having having gone through that defeat me. And I think that's the that's the piece of of life that I, I think I, I go through every day with it, just remembering that, remembering where I came from, where I was, and then how how much further I, I think I can go. Yeah, I think like 
it's incredible of all the things that we can do. And then if people doubt themselves, like some people might've said, oh, I've had so many surgeries and, you know, I have difficulty seeing, there's no way I could play a, a sport that has contact, like of all things, like seeing a ball come down the field from so far away, but you're so determined to, and so passionate, you know, to keep doing something that you really love. Yeah, it was cool. My, uh, so my doctor, uh, Paul Gaudio, he was, he was so cool. I've had him since I was a little kid, but he, he signed off on letting me play football because I told him I wanted to. And he's like, are you sure mm. you can? Cause he didn't know. <laughs> he's like, are you sure? And I was like, I was like, Dr. Gaudio, I really want to play. So he signed off on letting me cause I almost couldn't. And then I remember my senior year after we won Thanksgiving, I was able to take one of the newspaper or my mom took the newspaper to him with my face on the, on the back cover. And mm. she was able to show him like, yo, Jamil just won MVP of the Thanksgiving day game. And it was like, he was just so happy for me because he knew that he gave me that opportunity four years earlier after I came out of surgery to still play football and still be able to, to have that be a part of my experience. Yeah, absolutely. Such blessings. Is there anything though that you wish you knew before you started this journey and you were really self-aware? I think I think one of the biggest things I wish I knew is how how lonely it would have felt um, or how lonely it was going to feel um, when you start to try to do things for yourself. Um, because I started at a really young age, I for a while did feel like an outsider because I was trying to do some things that no one else around me was trying to do. And I had a mindset that other people weren't willing to share. Mm. Even when I got to college, I started, I felt like that. I felt like I had friends in all these different groups and we all couldn't be, I couldn't be with everyone if I wanted to be the person I wanted to become. And I think that was, the, that was really difficult. Um, just recognizing that like you outgrow people if you want to see bigger and higher successes. If you want to do more with your life, you have to kind of put yourself in those situations and in those positions. And that might mean taking a step back with others. Um, so I think that's one of those things that um, I recognize now. And I wish I would have known that going in because I probably would have uh, just prepared for it a little bit more. Yeah, I think that a lot of people assume that you can lose friends like when you graduate high school or when you transfer somewhere or when you finish college, but it can happen, you know, in the middle, like you said, a process of you trying to elevate yourself. And if people around you aren't trying to elevate themselves, then there has to be a point, like you said, to to kind of go your separate way a little bit so that you can focus on the things that you're trying to achieve. Um, and it's not necessarily that they're like a bad person or anything or that you can't ever be like friends or talk again, but um, kind of having those vibes around you, you got to switch it up to be able to continue to grow. What would you say that uh, motivates you? I think for me, as far as motivation goes, it's, it's I don't know. I think for myself, it, a lot of it, it just comes from wanting to one wanting to show people what's possible. I think mm. a big piece of what motivates me to keep going and keep trying and keep doing new things, like this book that's coming out in a couple of weeks, um, 
like that that was that was a big thing for me because it was just showing myself and really proving that like you can do anything you're that you think of like if you have an idea if you have a dream you're more than capable of making it happen that it's not something that's so outside of the possibilities and I think for myself like that keeps me motivated to to try new things to attempt a better life and do things in a bigger manner uh it's that it's possible and as much as I come from a home where we grew up on welfare um, I used to rap back in the day in, in college as a freshman at Becker. And one of the lines I, I said was like, I used to play football and soccer cleats. I had an iPod, but couldn't afford beats. Like it, it was like a, it was like a bar, right? And it just was- <laughs> From it, the mixtape? Was it on the mixtape? It was on the mixtape. Hey, shout, mix shout out shout to the boy. To the shout out to the boy Shane for putting that together. Uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I, it was like that was like one of the lines on there and it's because I we I just came from a house where we didn't have it like we just didn't have much opportunity and ultimately it was what you make of it right going to school and be, getting educated was was my way of making it. it was my way of seeing a better future because I saw what other people did and how that led to greater success and then once you do that and you go to school like I was the first to get my bachelor's degree. Then all of a sudden, like, oh, you're the first to get your master's. And then you're like, okay, what else can I do? Um, and you're like, you know what, let's, I want to write a book. I don't want to wait till, I don't want to wait till I'm 40 to start doing this. I want to do it now. I want to see it through. I want to make it possible. We have all the means. We have a lot of things at our disposal. And I think that's what keeps me motivated is just remembering that piece. Like there's so much that we are capable of as humans um in this world that we live in now that it's not a it's not a matter of how much time do I have it's a matter mm. of how much will do you have how much effort are you willing to put in it's not it's it's really not about what your job is it's about it's about whether or not you're willing to make the sacrifices necessary and I think a lot of people don't see that but I I do I see the sacrifices that you can make I see sitting on your laptop and editing opposed to watching Netflix for that hour, right? Like I see, I see the things that you can do in like your day, your day to day that can really shift your mindset. Like when I, when I set out to lose weight, it was like, yeah, if you change your diet and change the things that you're eating and the things you're cooking, you can lose 40 pounds in four, in four months. It's not absurd if you if you work out. I did home workouts for four months. Mm -hmm. I, it's not as if I went to the gym and lifted. I barely even ran. I just did home workouts, jumping jacks in the living room. And, and we stopped buying uh, cookies and crackers and all yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> just stop getting Chips Ahoy. Like, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I love Chewies, <laughs> but like you can't eat Chewies if you want to lose weight. And like, I realized that. And I was like, let's let's shift that a little bit. And let's become more disciplined. And I think those are the things that motivate me is to be able to prove to myself and prove to others that it's possible. So that whenever someone looks at me or talks to me, they can't say it's not possible. They, they can say that they don't want to, but they can't say they, they can't do it. They can't say, I can't, that it's no one's done it before. They can look at me and say someone's done it. Yeah. And I feel like there's like two really important things that you said, like, that one, you don't have to, that doesn't have to be your job. It doesn't have to be your specialty. You don't have to have a degree in that to try something out. Like 
you know, have an English degree or took many writing classes. I think you said you didn't even take any writing classes. In no, undergrad. I said, to him, I, said to him, uh, I took zero writing class. Actually, I took, <laughs> I took a poetry course. I took a poetry course. Oh, yeah, course. yeah, that's right. Poetry. That was my only that, class that, that had one anything. Time. <laughs> that one class. <laughs> I think I got a C plus in it. I think it was even good. <laughs> C's get degrees. Um, and, you know, like, obviously in grad school, you did a lot of writing, but it wasn't, it wasn't fantasy writing. It wasn't, you know, nonfiction writing. So, um, or I mean, it wasn't fiction writing. So, you know, like you could have said, oh, I can't write a book. I can't write a medieval fantasy that's not in my forte but we don't you don't let those constraints so to speak stop you from either trying something new or just trying something at all and going for it and I think too often people will say that to themselves like I can't do that I'm not capable of that I don't have the skills I don't have the knowledge and you know you can ask people around you you can go to YouTube university, you know, and spend those hours, you know, figuring out how to do that thing. It yeah. doesn't take, it doesn't take do much. And, and you know, the crazy thing, right? So I remember I was a senior um, in high school and I was giving a speech at a banquet. And I remember I, I took a Will Smith quote and I actually said it. And the quote came out back in like 2011 or whatever. And Will Smith basically said, like, you don't set out to build a wall overnight, right? You set out and you say, I'm going to lay each brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. And you do that day after day, brick after brick, and eventually you have a wall. Mm. And, and a lot of people set out to build Rome overnight. And that's not how Rome is built. It's built brick by brick, step by step. So for me, I've always approached all things in life that way, right? Like if I, I don't know how to write a book, so what do you do, right? You start by finding how, what is the process of self-publishing, right? Then you go from process of self-publishing. How do I format a book on Microsoft Word? So you start watching videos on how to format a book on Microsoft Word, right? And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, I want to, I, how do I, how, what is it, what does a, a nice cover look like? Like, what is the technical aspects of a nice cover? Like, what do those, what are those things? And you learn that. And then you learn, like, what is a great sentence structure? Well, how do you tell a great story? What are the elements that create it? And then you slowly get to the point where you have a book where you have a product that you can release and you look at, okay, what is the marketing supposed to be like? How is that process supposed to look? And you look at each individual aspect and learn each individual thing. And then eventually you have the product at the end. So it's not so much looking at this daunting task, right? Like how you do it. It's, it's looking at each individual step. I remember I waited till I was what, 20, 23 or 24 before I got my license. Mm. Um, and a lot of that, I didn't get my, I didn't get my driver's license until like, until after college, that's how I graduated. And, yeah. and a lot of that came because I was afraid to step behind the wheel of a car because I had failed, a, I had failed an eye exam from the DMV my first time. Uh, so the first time I took an eye exam, I failed it. Uh, and I never went back. I literally never went back. I, I just felt like I was never going to get it. And I was down on myself and I let myself get that mindset that I was never going to get an ID. And I took that exam when I was 16. I didn't get the license. Till I was 24. So you're like, why did you wait so long? 
And a lot of that was just me limiting myself. And I think that limiting belief, as much as I was a strong, thoughtful person, I just never got over that one until I told myself, why are you waiting? Like, what are you really waiting for? If you don't set out to do it, if you don't make the time, if you don't find the opportunity, you'll never be able to get it done. So then I, I went and I took the eye exam, I passed, I studied for the test. I remember the worst part about the freaking eye exam, the worst part about the driving <laughs> test was the actual written test. I remember I got five questions wrong uh -huh. in the first eight questions. I was like, I'm gonna fail this whole thing. I think I had, I think it was either five questions or it was four questions I had wrong. And I could only get one more wrong before I was done. Yeah. So, so then I had to get like 13 straight right. And I was like, this is so, I, this is terrible. But I did, I passed it. And then I was able to, to go out on the road and, and learn all of the technical aspects of driving. And it became a serviceable driver, I would say. But, <laughs> but yes, I would say you're a good driver. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of things going awry, um, is there anything you could think of that is your biggest failure and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I mean, I think one of my, one of my biggest failures has to be, it, it has to have come with some of the relationships I've had with people. Um, I think that that's, those are some of my biggest failures, letting people fall out of my life on my own accord by not doing enough to keep them. Um, I think that was, that. it goes back to my point at the beginning of, of, I wish I would have known that trying to chase success and trying to elevate yourself is a very lonely place because you do isolate a lot of people. I've had a lot of friends throughout the years that I just lost contact with and then lost the whole connection too because I was so focused on my goals and the things that were around me. And I think it's one of those things for me that, that I always think about. Um, one, the, the one that's biggest right now, at least, is like my grandma. Um, she passed away this past May and, or last May, 2020. And I never really got a chance to reconnect with her in the way I wanted to, um, especially after graduation, because I was so focused on doing everything else. I was so focused on getting the master's degree. And then in college, I was so focused on being involved and creating a resume, creating a name for myself that I never, that never took the time to actually sit back and, and enjoy the people around me. So it's something, I'm, it's something I'm way more aware of now where I'm trying to call cousins and trying to talk to people more often and, and make space for them because I realize and I'm recognizing more so now than ever that those are some of my biggest regrets is those relationships you lose that you don't ever get back. That's, it's a hard balance to do that. Um, I remember in, in undergrad too, that I really neglected like my hometown friends because they weren't, they weren't in the proximity of where I was. And I was just always hanging out with my college friends all the time. And uh, like you said, sometimes, you know, you might lose them. Like I was lucky enough that they understood enough that they were still around for me, but you know, some of the connections definitely uh, changed and were kind of like weaker, I guess you could say, because I had spent so much time like away from them and doing, doing other things. Yeah, they, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of just time in general, I think. Um, when you spend 
when you spend time focused on your goals and you spend time going after it and trying to become that person that you want to be, you, you have to spend time alone. And then because you're spending time alone, you run into the situation where now you all of a sudden just have missed out on, th- on time mm-hmm. with others. So it's a balance, it's a balancing act. And I think just recognizing that, like I'm 27 now, like I have a lot going on in life. <laughs> I mean, a lot a lot I want to become and a lot I want to do, but just recognizing the importance of those connections and the family and being there and being around and being available. Uh, it's it's definitely something that's bigger for me. And we we were up in Massachusetts and I I just think about driving down to Connecticut all the time and mm-hmm. trying to see family and being consistent, right? It's an hour and a half drive for me to go to Bristol, but I make it almost every week or every two weeks because I want to be there. I want to still be connected. I want to still have my family around. And I never want to, rem- I don't never want to feel the feeling of loss without having spent that time with somebody. Yeah, exactly. Like always keeping in contact, just even if it's just like a text or a phone call is like much more than just coming home and being off in your own world, doing all your things and then going to work and, and, and always focus like on yourself for sure. Um, but to kind of flip things around to a little bit more of a positive note, what are you looking forward to in your next season of life? I think I'm looking forward uh, primarily to one, this book being released, uh, people being able to read it, me being able to hear the reviews, good, bad, ugly, nice, <laughs> happy. All I want to, I want to hear everyone's thoughts on King Asher and how they feel about him. <laughs> It's going to be amazing. I think I think what I'm looking forward to is really um, taking the things I'm doing and to the next level, um, really raising my game on the things I'm doing outside of work, um, focusing my attention on continuing to build the business, build the brand um, inspired mm. by Jamil.com. We're going to we're going to I'm just trying to make sure to do more. One of the things I'm excited about in general is just launching paperback books and launching hardcover books and then getting some author copies out um, in the in the immediate future um, and then in the long-term future it's, it's just be continuing to be uh, a person that people can rely on continue to elevate my game as far as being a family member and a friend and doing all of those things because I think that's really where my attention is um, at this point in life at this point, I'm, I'm less concerned with climbing, this, climbing the professional ladder, and I'm more concerned with making sure that my family is good, making sure my friends are good, making sure that they're in a, in a positive place, and then making sure that the things I'm doing are because I enjoy them, mm-hmm. uh, and not because I have to do it for anyone else. Right? And I think I'm at the place now where I feel comfortable and confident saying that I'm doing everything for me at this point. Like I'm doing, I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it for anyone else. Mm. Yes. Shameless plug. That book is amazing. Tell us a little more about it. Yeah. So uh, War in the Fallows, it was co-authored by myself and my little brother, uh, Jamar, AKA BB. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you putting his whole family yeah, name out there. Yeah, I had to put his family name out there. <laughs> it, it follows, it follows, it's a, it's a story that follows three kings, um, it's about deception, the lies we tell ourselves, the truths that we hide, mm. um, the person that we want to be versus the person that we are, and, and all mm. of those things. And I think that it's a story 
It's all about who you are, who you want to be. Um, everyone, everyone's going to relate to someone in this story. Um, I think no matter what, you're going to feel connected to one of the characters. One of, one of the big things about this story is that it's a, it's, it's a deep dive into psychology. Uh, what happens when your parents uh, raise you differently than someone else? What happens when the truths that you hold dear were lies the whole time? What happens, uh, what happens to you when, when you're put in situations that are not ideal? And I think everyone's going to have to face that and everyone faces that in real life. It's a story with a lot of conflict. Um, it's a story that has a lot of challenges, but it's also a story that inspires um, and shows you what can be possible if you look at the better things in life. Um, there aren't always happy moments, I'll tell you that. But in life, it's about how you look at it, right? And uh, a negative to you could be a positive for someone else. And I think that's the story touches on that as well. Um, and then you can't trust everybody because what's the story mm. without a little bit Ooh. of, uh, <laughs> of <laughs> deception? <laughs> what's the story without deception? So that's War in the Fallows, out March 12th, 2021. It's available for, available for pre-order right now on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Uh, feel free to grab yourself a copy. Uh, and a, in a week from now, you'll you'll hear that uh, it's available for paperback on Amazon. You can full purchase, and it'll be at your house whenever uh, whenever it gets shipped. So mm. I'm excited. I hope y'all are too. Yes, I mean, just listen to all of the kind of connecting themes that we have like going on right now into the book is just mm. yes. I'm, I'm biased, but you know, it is, it is a really great book. Um, yeah. I mean, you basically uh, told us, but is there anything else you want to tell the listeners about where they can find you online um, to connect or learn more from you? Yeah, I would definitely say uh, you can find me on Instagram inspired by Jamil. Um, you can find me at my website, inspiredbyjamil.com. I'm on Facebook, Jamil Ethan, the author page. So you can just check for pages. You'll see Jamil Ethan, hashtag author. I'm out here. Um, and then and then feel free to check out the book, uh, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. It's War in the Fallows by Jamil Ethan and Jamar Ethan. We have co-authored that book. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited to bring you all the projects. I'm also a podcaster. You can find the Books by Authors podcast on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere that podcast can be found. And also the Status Update podcast, where we talk about lifestyle, good choices, and all the things that you can do to make your life better. Also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts can be found. Yes. So there are so many places that you can get some really great more advice or words of wisdom. And of course, we have the same last name. So if you're wondering how to spell Ethan, just look at the cover art. <laughs> yes. That's convenient. <laughs> uh, yeah. So do you have uh, any last thoughts or tips for the listeners? Uh, I, I would say make sure that you're always focused on following your dreams and your goals. Ultimately, you have one life. You have one opportunity to make all the things you want to happen in life. Um, you, you have one opportunity to bring those to fruition. And if you're doubting your ability to do so, if you're doubting that you're capable, if you're doubting um, any aspect of who you are, just remember that everyone else is too. Um, a lot of us feel like imposters. A lot of us feel like we don't belong in the space that we are in. Uh, 
from from the highest level. I heard a story today that um, that there was an author, really famous author. He was sitting in a room at a at a at a conference, and he was looking around and he was like, "Wow, I don't belong here." This guy sold millions of copies, a New York Times bestseller. He goes, "I don't belong here," um, and the person sitting next to him goes, "Me either." And mm. it was in that moment that he looked and said, you know what, if Neil Armstrong is in this room, it doesn't feel like he belongs here too. Maybe I actually do. <laughs> because, <laughs> because like, if he doesn't feel like, right, if he doesn't, if he feels like an imposter in this room, then maybe we all feel like that. Maybe we mm. all actually belong in these spaces and we just don't recognize it because clearly he belongs here. He's one of the best people who has ever done it. He's, and he's feels like he doesn't belong in this space. So I think that we to, to always remember that. Always remember that you belong wherever you are. Um, if you even if you're new, if it's something that some if it's something that you've never done before, that that's fine. We've all been new. Just to start, you have to be new. George R. R. Martin was an author who sat around for years, 20, 30 years before he actually finally had that big hit of Game of Thrones. And he kept sticking with it and then it popped. And there's so many stories like that of people who sat around for years, who dedicated lifetimes to, to work and they didn't get fame, they didn't get glory until much later. Um, Stacey Abrams is a prime example, a lady who went out and lost her election in Georgia only to flip the entire state to become democratic. She, she was the, the person who signed up 700,000 voters in mm. Georgia, right? She's someone who did not quit on her goal just because she lost an election two years ago. She made sure that she was gonna make an impact no matter what obstacles came before. And I think she's a testament to the mindset that you should never be defeated and that you belong. Because as much as the vote said she didn't belong in politics, her impact said differently it spoke loudly and yours can too so don't feel like you can't be it don't feel like you can't make it you can mm, so powerful yes embrace the season that you are currently in absolutely all right well we are at the end of our time here so Thank you so very much for making this a very special birthday present. I'm sure I'll be super happy listening to this again on the morning of my birthday. And um, thank you for just all of your wise words uh, of wisdom for everyone. I know the listeners are going to take a ton from this. So if you have to stop and rewind and listen again, make sure you do that. Hey. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I would love to hear what inspired you to grow. Take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on Instagram at classbycaitlin. That's C-A-I-T-L-I-N. You can also find more information on my website, classbycaitlin.com or on Facebook at Your Next Season Podcast. I can't wait to see what you share. Till next time, keep growing. Your next season awaits.